this pleases me. Oh, yeah. This pleases me. This. Smart Home Technology. Technology. Alexa, please turn the heating up. I'm very cold. After that, please play. Digga digga. Oh no, 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 no. I do not want this. Alexa, stop. Smart Homes. Stupid people. Smart Homes. Smart Homes, stupid people. Smart Homes, stupid people. Smart Homes. Stupid Bieber. Das war einer der Marke Feucht. Yes, hello and welcome to another episode of Smart Home Stupid People. I'm Madeleine Ziege. I am Eris Filmuth. And today's topic is hospitals and demons. Very promising. I'm really looking forward to that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, as you guys can see for this episode, I no longer have my arm uh, sling on. He's healed. Not healed, <laughs> but I'm going to be self-healing. Yeah. The big reason for that is because uh, I, was at the, I was in the hospital two days ago. Um, because I had an appointment set to talk to the professor who would be doing the surgery required for my shoulder. And after a runaround, I just had such a bad feeling. Mm -hmm. We eventually, after struggling, um, managed to get an appointment, you know, to talk with, uh, with the, with somebody, a surgeon before, before anything happens. And it was a it was a disaster. We ended up getting sent uh, to a room where we were able to talk to a surgeon's assistant, a guy who had no idea what he was talking yeah. about, and he was just showing us like bullshit on Google. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I couldn't so, believe it. it yeah, was, it was ridiculous. And it was actually set an appointment for him to talk to the person who wants to do the operation. Yeah. And it was not even clear if the operation will take place. You, they already registered him for like i don't know thousands and thousands of paperwork stuff and said you know you have to fill out first the paperwork before we can show you to the doctor yeah. to just talk about that whole idea about the reparation it wasn't even clear that he wants to do it and then like we went there through all that struggle for hours and hours and uh, just to sit there with that guy for 10 minutes and <laughs> which i had to pay for an hour of. yeah and now it, it was yeah. The the big thing I want to kind of say is before Crazy. we jump into that. Yeah. Um this is going to be a different episode. Yes, absolutely. And it's going to be a different episode because the 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 main the main sentence that we put in all the description which I forgot to set up at the beginning. <laughs> ah, well, I want you to say it now. Okay, I'll uh, say it now. So the main idea and the main topic of the main this, message. the main message of that uh video and uh like yeah, podcast. podcast yeah is that could it be that the more accommodating our environment is, that the more we lose the ability to take care of ourselves. And it may, although you might think, what well, has that to do with hospitals and demons? It has a lot to do with this topic. Absolutely. And we will show you the the parallels between these two, um, yeah, topics. and, yeah, and Worlds almost. Yeah, worlds almost, but it has a lot to do with each other. Yeah. And so, uh, as I mentioned, Madeline, 
She is a doctorate in biology. <laughs> Which, Just figured out today what that actually means. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's not like uh, Latin's important. <laughs> well, <laughs> so uh, what does it mean? What does Dr. Renat mean? What is your title? So, yeah, it means Dr. Rerum Naturarum. Naturum? Naturum? Something like that. Yeah, something like that, which means basically just, um, I don't know if you can translate it that, but like a, a, a doctor in natural science and mm -hmm. not not uh, rerum is more like also uh knowledge and kind of yeah wealth, wealth yeah. yeah wealth so it's just like i guess uh an indicator for someone who knows a little bit more <laughs> than average yeah. in the natural science. And in German, that this is the title um, biologists are given um, that is the equivalent to a, a PhD in North America. Yeah. And so... Um, but we also have, for example, the doctor of um, uh, Philnat. Yeah, that's... Philosophic. And that's the thing is PhD yeah. is a philosophical doctorate and yeah. uh, Dr. Philnat would be, I think, more handed out towards philosophical things such as uh, physics and... Um, um, I don't know. Physics philosophy. actually not, but yeah, philosophy, absolutely. Yeah. Languages, everything that okay. is um, called Geisteswissenschaft, like uh, I was, it's kind of also social sciences. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, yeah, those yeah. kind of things. And... Me, hello, Eris Felmuth, <laughs> <laughs> building automation senior technician. I have been um, building, designing, programming, installing um, what is often labeled and called smart homes. Uh, I like to call it building automation because that's really what it is. And I've been doing this for over 15 years. And um, I want to kind of like start off with just saying that this is kind of where we built the show. We, 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 Took at we took we we saw how often we just sit down at this little table and have great <laughs> conversations. And um, Madeline has her own podcast. I have mine, and we said, you know what, let's let's just do this together yeah, and share let's, that let's share yeah. the way that we talk to one another with the world and invite them into our living room and have them talk with us mm -hmm. because um, the bridge between technology and nature. It shouldn't be there. It, it's actually not there. It's a fictional yeah. bridge that's man-made. And uh, people, I think, really separate themselves from reality and from nature by assuming that it's there. Yeah. Um, even the fact that we even call nature as something that's external, where there is no difference. Like, just say that you're going out in nature <laughs> or that uh, you like nature and all this stuff. Nature is reality. Yeah. That's that's really all it is. Right. That's true. And so um, this is something that we kind of wanted to emphasize on with my, and, and I think that a lot of people, you know, when they think about technology, they think uh, anti, like even look at, I, I recently read um, Ted Kaczynski's book, The Anti-Technological Revolution. It's a fantastic read. And to become anti-technology uh, in, in, in the way that he puts it forth is, is very fascinating because what he talks about is how technology is inevitably used um, much like any other life form, mm -hmm. uh, technology, anything we build becomes a life form. And he talks a lot about um, um, self uh, what does he call it? Um, it doesn't matter right now. They, he, he talks a lot about how any type of life form wants to take care of itself and build itself mm -hmm. up. And everything we do, whether it be uh, a technological system, politics, uh, a group of people, 
they all have the will and the desire to survive just like any mm -hmm. other form of life, just mm -hmm. like any other uh, thing on the planet. And um, he yeah. talks about the parallels between that and um, the natural world. Whereas a lot of people, they create the technologies to separate themselves from the natural world and, mm -hmm. and thus become enveloped by it and the technology overtakes it mm -hmm. and so on and so mm -hmm. forth. Um, but as far as the uh, smart home stupid people concept and with my experience as a smart home technician or building automation technician, I I started doing it because as a musician, it was it was the next logical step for me. You know, I, I wasn't touring full time. I was only touring a couple months of the year. And uh, with all my experience on stage, I actually started building in multi-room audio systems into mm. people's homes. That was like kind of my first step. And then that became multi-room lighting and multi-room programming. And it all came like, I, I think as a musician and as somebody who was always my first business, I was like 18 years old. I did my own window washing business. And, <laughs> and, and I just loved uh, heights. That was the reason why I did that. I love being outside and I love climbing ladders. And that's why I did that. And... Um, I've just always been the type of person that when I wanted to learn something, I did it. And in my scholastic uh, past, I didn't want to learn, mm -hmm. so I didn't do it. <laughs> and that, and that, that's that. I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, it's, it's that simple. Um, you have to have an intrinsic motivation to really well, uh, learn. This goes now straight into what our today's topic is, and that is um, I'm very careful about what I choose to let in. Yeah. And just because I'm to be sat at a desk six to eight hours a day being told what the world is yeah. doesn't make it so and it doesn't mean i'm going to let it in True. um and so for me building automation was for me a huge creative outlet i always thought that technology is is it definitely is kind of its own little it's an untouched continent right mm -hmm. but it's back going back in the 90s for me anyway you know jumping on the first computer and learning uh ms dos right <laughs> Um, yeah. well, first computer for me, I mean, and, um, it was just, it was unbelievable to see this, this new landscape of endless possibilities. And unfortunately, just like any other tool, it can be used as a paperweight or it can mm -hmm. be used as a weapon. True, yeah. Um, it can be used as knowledge. It can be used for many great things. So that was the, that was for me, the big things getting into this. And now I'm seeing myself taking a big step back and getting out of it more and more because of how perverted it really has become over mm. the last, I would say, five years, definitely. Yeah. So uh, today, I really wanted to have I have all my show notes here, and it's going to be <laughs> so be very prepared. interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a little prepared because this show is different, and as I mentioned, uh, we're going to be not really stepping away from our regular program, yeah. but we're going to be focusing more actually on the central topic mm -hmm. of 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 this program. Yeah, Could and it, also sharing some personal. Absolutely. Stories and, and, and um, yeah, big time. And I really want to talk about reality today. That mm -hmm. that's what it's about. So we're not going to be talking, I think, too much about, you know, Madeleine Sieger as a biologist and mm -hmm. Eris Felmuth as uh, as as a smart home technician or building mm -hmm. automation technician. Um, these are our personas that we project into the world. Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about ourselves, and we're going to be really analyzing. I think more than ever. The central question: Could it be that the more we, um, the, the more environment becomes accommodating for us, we lose the ability to take care of ourselves? Mm -hmm. That is really going to be explored and focused today. Yeah, so, and especially in case of health. Health, health yeah. is 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 one of these central things in the sense that you come into this planet, or you you born to this to this world, 
And what do you have if not health, right? The mm -hmm. first thing you do is you breathe. Anytime you go out and you, um, like I, I did, a, I've done a lot of martial arts. My A big part of my past was I was a, a gymnast uh, throughout my entire adolescent years, uh, competitive. And uh, later on, you know, got into skateboarding, mountain biking and all that stuff uh, because I didn't like the competition part of gymnastics. I, I liked be I liked to learn how to flip on the trampoline and do backflips on the floor. Mm -hmm. And um, I learning to explore my environment in such an extreme manner. You know, we, I, we went to a trampoline gym a couple of years ago before the whole Corona shit happened. And, um, you know, she never jumped on a trampoline before. So it was actually really well, fun to take her. Not such a big one. <laughs> not such a big one. Yeah, yeah. Maybe little exercise ones. Yeah. But no, we went, I brought her to a place that had actual um, proper trampolines that you can yeah. do like double, triple backs and, uh, you know, double twisting uh, layouts and all that kind of stuff so that <laughs> was fun he was like a fish in the water i was like uh, a duck uh, fish out of water <laughs> <laughs> a duck on uh, i don't know <laughs> in the desert <laughs> <laughs> there you go um and so that being said uh today like i said hospitals and demons we're going to be talking about obviously my recent experiences uh with with the the hospital environment but also exploring the fact that uh, there's a lot of inversion going mm -hmm. on. And th my experience of, of recent, of late with the hospitals and um, trying to fix my arm and my foot and all that really has more, um, has, has never made it more clear for me that the, the, the hospitals and the entire, I would say, world of health in general mm -hmm. is not about health yeah not I about agree. health and 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 it's it's just flat out easy to see and so what i was talking about a second ago with my past as being a gymnast and all that stuff i later on when i was about oh i don't know 17 i started getting into martial arts and um i was i was pretty heavy on it for a good 10 years and uh, over the last 10 years it's been more of a hobby and pastime um i've sought out some good martial artists over here and have trained with them and the first thing you learn, whether it be Kung Fu, gymnastics, um, even even shamanic practices or yoga, or even coming into the world and being born is how to breathe. Mm -hmm. Breath is one of the most unbelievably important things and learning how to breathe properly, learning how to um, take in air and understand what's happening inside your body when mm -hmm. you're breathing. How is this like th this is now that goes back to that that central topic of mm -hmm. okay so we know we've I, through my experience I would say that the entire um, health industry is on its back it's not about health anymore yep. at all it's it's about something else yep. right but the education industry is also on its back because <laughs> it's not about education anymore it's about something else yeah and I can't I can't tell you that in in my entire life of going to school and Madeline's long life of going to school, not because she's older, but because she had a very long <laughs> scholastic life. Um, I don't remember them ever telling me how to breathe properly. No. I don't remember them ever trying to tell me how to, how to uh, really connect to my, to yeah. my body and understand no. my own health and understand my connection to the world. That yeah. was never a part of any of the curriculum. Yeah. So it was clear to me that the, like I mentioned before, um, I was very selective about what I let in. Mm. I have a, a very strong um, Christian Catholic background, uh, not so much anymore, but when I was a kid, I was an altar server. And um, 
it's it's very it's a very different world when you're kind of born with a little bit of spiritual guidance at least mm -hmm. and and at least with the spiritual guidance that i received uh when i was a christian um there was a lot of at least trying to appreciate the difference between mind body soul spirit mm -hmm. um a, a greater a greater beyond and um i find the the hospital it, it, the entire health industry is is based in chemistry mm -hmm. right uh, like i hear i hear people say things like the human body is nothing but chemistry yeah and i think if you truly believe that then then you have no chance to actually connect to yourself or to life in any purposeful or meaningful way yeah and uh also just you know if you see it just like as a accumulation of some atoms <laughs> and reactions that uh they're you know humans might not put a lot of trust into their bodies because they they just see it as i don't know like a um even random accumulation of of atoms with no and that's that, I mean, it's funny because i mean to me random is, is kind of like synonymous to accident or even yeah. um and, and not important fra fragile as well and could be it yeah. could be but when you really for you like you as a biologist um how amazing it is it that any of this shit works when you really look at yeah that was the main what reason life is. I, I started uh, my studies because I wanted to know how everything works and nope. how all that. And yeah, I, I did, you know, for many, many years, I was just reading one book after another, but also we just know so much as we already know, right? <laughs> and it was a lot of theoretical stuff. And at the end, I would say, yeah, it's cool to know all these things, but also I don't need it to learn all this by heart. You know, they're still written in books and mm. it is more important to really connect with nature in a, in a, in a, on a deeper level, which means that or, you... Or reality. Yes, or reality, <laughs> where you understand that you're part of it. And um, at least, well, with me, I experienced that there is a greater energy mm. that goes through everything and that connects everything as well. And that we can trust that energy. Yeah. So um, I, I want to go back a little bit for me anyway, and and go back, like I said, you know, um, starting off when I was a kid, a very strong Catholic childhood background uh, in through the 90s, you know, when you entered high school, um, you start to get more... Uh, exposed to other things and and things tend to become very atheistic very quickly mm -hmm. um i i start to even see that the the the, the health um, industry itself is incredibly atheistic at its center right because it doesn't take life into uh it, it doesn't consider life to be anything special i find at mm -hmm. least i say it as if it's his own entity but i'm saying that from my experience in the hospital recently mm -hmm. that's that's what i'm getting from it yeah, right? absolutely. And we could really feel the energy dropping, yeah. right? So when going we, in that building and yeah, when we walked out, oh, what happened gosh. was is the doctor gave me all this bullshit about what it's gonna, what's going to happen and and uh, how it's going to be, and um, I, I had to like they they literally they assumed that I was there for a pre-surgery um, evaluation, right? Yeah. They wanted my blood, they wanted all this stuff. And I'm looking at them saying, dude, I want to talk to the guy. Yeah. First. I don't you I don't I don't even think he knows what surgery is going to happen. And I went to many different doctors because I've had multiple injuries, as I mentioned, as, as, as with my athletic past. 
Um, I've, I've busted my shoulders before. I mean, this isn't the first time. This is the first time I've had a very obvious what's called um, AC separation, and that's the acromion uh, clavicular separation. There's a tendon, a ligament, mm -hmm. sorry, right between um, those two pieces. One is attached to your shoulder plate to the back, and one is the collarbone that comes and attaches over here. And there's a ligament here that holds it together. And there are a couple more under the collarbone that holds the collarbone in place, yeah. prevents the collarbone from moving too much forward or backwards. And this one over here keeps it locked into the shoulder. Um, the reason why our bodies have ligaments there and the reason why this bone isn't connected directly to that bone, mm -hmm. right, in any other form is because if it if it were connected and you were to have an accident, the collarbone will shoot out of your breastplate mm -hmm. because it won't have anywhere to go over here. So the ligament is actually kind of a protection layer that if something were to pop, it's going to be the ligament and it can heal itself. The problem is, is that if the bone is too far out you know, from where it should be, the ligament will not rejoin. And I'm seeing on my arm now, you know, you can see a little tiny bump here, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it looks amazing. It's almost because uh, I've been really doing a lot of work to try and keep it um, in place. And I could feel it's hard. In the beginning, it was like a piano key. That's what they call it in German. <laughs> they call it a Klaviertaste, which is a, like a, a, like a piano key, the way that you could just push on the collarbone and play yeah. it like a musical instrument. <laughs> it doesn't do that anymore. And, and that's because the ligament is actually rejoining with the other ligaments uh, on the other part of the bone. And uh, so that means that, it's, that I'm healing. And yet uh, with all my other injuries, and all the things that have uh, happened in the past, um, I have a pretty messed up shoulder to begin with. My The muscle doesn't grow properly on this side because I've ripped it a few times. Um, and uh, I've, I've, I've fractured and, and shattered the, sh the collarbone before, so it's healed mm -hmm. a little bit weird. And I wanted to be certain that whoever is going to even attempt to do a surgery on my shoulder understands the whole thing. Yeah, yeah. And nobody Absolutely. wanted to. Every time I went somewhere, it was like starting from scratch, even though I was under the impression that all the documents had been sent over, yeah. the the two MRTs that, uh, MRIs that I had done and the, uh, the x-ray that I had done. Um, and yet every time it was like starting with stupidity from, mm. from the beginning again. And so this is why once the guy told me what he wanted to do was put a piece of titanium in there forever, I, the first question I had is, well, what happens in the next time I, I, I get injured? Yeah. Uh, will it separate? Will what what happens with that piece of titanium is floating around in my in my body? Where's it going to go? Uh, it, it, what are the risks? What are the yeah, you know? yeah? He didn't mention anything of that, right? Well, after I asked that question, he yeah. just looked at me and he says, "It, it was like a, it was like talking to technical support in India, right?" <laughs> he, he had his his couple words that he has yeah. to repeat, and other than that, it's like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, you know, and you could see that he became kind of you know annoyed, and he just wanted to get rid of us, so. Yeah, I'm there. Was, I'm there paying for his service, yeah, and he's the one who's annoyed. It was this. Weird. This comes to another big um, thing where here in Germany, everybody's on salary. They don't give a fuck. Mm. It's it, they, they really could care less. You know, if they're nice people, they might care more, but they don't need to care. Uh, whereas in North America, at least in the United States, um, it's more of a capitalist system. Mm -hmm. um, and funny enough, the insurance system over here is very similar to that of the United States. The only difference is, is that over here, it's mandatory to pay for it. That's it. True. Yeah. Right. Um, the, and, and there's another big difference, too, is that um, if you're not privately insured here, you have to be governmentally insured, mm -hmm. meaning that um, either the government is paying for your insurances and you're in their pocket 
Or you're employed somewhere and the employer's paying half of it and the other half is being docked from your salary automatically. Yep. Um, for me, I have private insurance because I was self-employed most of the time here. And uh, if you make enough money, you can be cut, you can stay privately insured or if you're self-employed as I have been. And um, it's, you know, it's not uh, from a financial standpoint, it's not that very different from what mm. I, I remember in North America. Uh, Canada is a bit fucked up in the sense that they force you into um, governmental insurance, which is really bad. It's bad in the sense that, yeah, I mean, it's good in the sense that it'll cover a lot of emergencies. It's mm -hmm. bad in the sense that it's a very socialized system. So when you go into a hospital, they're quicker to show you the door than anything else. And uh, there's a there's a saying, unfortunately, that I learned from a good friend of mine who I recently spoke to, who unfortunately had a horse riding accident. Uh, mm. He um, he was taking care of a, a couple dozen horses out in British Columbia or Alberta, and uh, the horse reared up on him and uh, kicked him over and landed on his uh, spine and, and his leg, and so he tore his uh, he, he tore his muscle and his ligaments in his arm. Um, vertebrae um, fused in his spine and then another ligament in his leg. Um, and the doctors gave him no light of day. They took a crappy little x-ray in which you can't see the tendons and the ligaments anyway and um, sent him out on his way. And then when the whole corona cock started happening, they uh, they canceled his chance of having an operation with a reasonable time of his healing. Mm -hmm. And um, so he told me that in Canada there's a nice uh, saying that says the squeaky wheel gets the oil, <laughs> meaning that you have to cause a lot of noise in order to get them to pay attention to you. Mm -hmm. And so that means that if you have gone in there and you've ripped something or broken something, you have to act like it, it like your pain is always 11 out of 10. You <laughs> cannot, you have to be seen now. It's not, you have to keep going back until they take you in. Oh. Because if you don't do that, they're going to say, oh, it's not essential. Therefore, uh, governmental insurances aren't going to pay for it. Okay. And uh, therefore, if you do have um, employment, right? Then you can then you can get private insurances on top of it. Private insurances in Canada would typically, you know, try to include some dental and, uh, mm -hmm. and basic stuff that the like drugs and so on and so forth that the uh, governmental insurances don't quite pay for, right? Um, that being said, uh, my experience with the hospital, I think that one of the biggest changes in my life, like if not the biggest change in my life. Um, about a decade and a half ago, I uh, I got shingles. And I remember I was on tour with a band um, and we were uh, we were traveling. We were a couple days out and, um, yeah, thank you. We were a couple days out from anywhere. Um, we were driving through the Rockies and then uh, over to um, Portland and then from Portland down to um, um, San Francisco. And uh, I just remember it was awful. I... I um, I started noticing legions on the back of my leg and I didn't know what they were and I figured they would just go away and um, they, they did at first, you know, they went away, but then they came back and then they came back under my arm. Um, and then by the time I came back home after my tour was finished, I, uh, I, I realized something's not right because, you know, um, like I, I always had an issue back then that I was so driven to accomplish everything. You know, Madeline knows about this uh, <laughs> with her PhD studies that uh, she was so stressed out that she was losing her hair. She was, her health was at deep risk, mm. which goes to show you, I mean, the search of knowledge should never come at the cost Absolutely. of your, of your own health and life. Yeah. Um, 
to some degree it does. And I mean, this is an interesting thing because when you even look into Norse mythology, Odin hung himself uh, up from the tree and gave up his eye, uh, which meant that he had to sacrifice something mm -hmm. of his self for knowledge. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of something that's written into uh, the Norse mythology in the sense that nothing is free. And um, like I said, is that I, 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 I didn't sleep. I, I spent um, many, 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 many years only sleeping a few hours a day mm. because I figured um, I, I don't, I don't come, a, come from a family of people who are going to support me. And therefore, um, I had to work twice as hard. So I had my full-time job uh, doing, a, you know, building automation. And then I was uh, pretty much a full-time musician. And I also had my window washing on the side and a couple other gigs I had going on. And that's mm. kind of normal for my culture from where I come from, which when coming to Germany and trying to explain that to people, it's like, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not it's not even fathomable. And um, so when I came back, I just remembered constantly getting having fevers. And they were like reoccurring. We're talking like I, I would be um, working and I, I would uh, I'd feel okay in the morning. And as the day progressed, I would get fever and sweating and I would get sick. And then the legions would come back up all over the place. And then I started um, seeking help. I started going to different hospitals. I went to about 11 different specialists. You know, I remember my wow. ex-girlfriend helped me out uh, a lot at the time. Someone says hello. Um, <laughs> and it's it's one of these things where even though I went to all these different specialists, I wanted to get different opinions because every time I went and got an opinion, they would say, uh, well, shingles is a herpetic virus. It's the it's the um, 2.0 of chicken pox and um, it's stress induced. Um, and then I would say, well, can you find out for sure whether it's shingles or not? And they would say, well, that test costs money. Mm. And, uh, you know, and it's not even a certain test because you, you, you have to take the test like immediately when one of those legions explode. And then we could find out if the viral, um, activity is indeed what form of herpetic virus. I mean, there are hundreds of herpetic viruses and, um, the one that we call cold sores and herpes and genital herpes it's only one of them, right? It's mm -hmm. only a small part of it. And so I had many of them telling me, ah, you just have regular herpes. Other ones saying, no, not at all, because you're getting it under your armpits and behind your legs. And so it was an ongoing battle. And I just, I remember the doctors telling me, listen, you have to go on Veltrex. And I'd say, well, what's Veltrex? And they said, well, it's an antiviral. Mm, and okay. and I would say, okay, well, what does that mean for how long and how much does it cost? And they said, well, it's about $500 a month. <laughs> and I said, well, uh, how long do I have to take this shit? And they said, oh, forever. Well, Because they no told way. me, they said that at the rate of the reoccurrence of the viral infection that I was undergoing, um, it was, it, I had to be on this stuff permanently. That's mm -hmm. what, that's what um, at least a couple of the specialists had told me. The other specialist, the other the other common opinion that I received was, um, we can't tell you what it is, so you have to treat it just like any other viral infection, mm -hmm. because the testing for it is just it just doesn't work that way. And it's one of these things where a lot of people don't understand. You know, we know that uh, everybody thinks that they're a, a, an expert in uh, in virology nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and yeah. I just remember back then the 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 notion that I was constantly being told, uh, trying to figure this shit out was um, viruses, every single virus that we come into contact 
is a part of us forever. It's a part mm -hmm. of our life mm -hmm. and it's a part of our genetic makeup forever. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these viruses, they lay dormant. You have things that are called um, opportunistic viruses. And that means that as they spread, uh, specifically the herpes virus, pretty much every herpes virus, they, um, they, they lay dormant in your nervous system. Mm -hmm. And um, this is why they often call it a you know first contact virus. That means that when you get, when you get a herpes on the lip, it's because the first time you got it was through you know um, the drinking from a straw that somebody else had drunk or kissing a girl and so yeah. on and so forth. Um, Genital herpes is quite self-explanatory. Um, with uh, chicken pox, it's one of these things. You can get it anywhere, and it stores itself in your spinal cord. Mm -hmm. And this is what makes it a little bit elusive when it comes out later on as, uh, um, as shingles. Because when it comes out as shingles, it can it can go anywhere in your body, but it's going to find the, the 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 easiest path to come out. Yeah. So it will come out. It'll it'll come out the genitals. It'll come out of the legs. It'll come out of, under the armpits. It'll come out. You know, some people get it up here. Some people get it across their stomach. I pretty much always got it under my armpit, like uh, on the side of my um, torso and the back of my legs. And it's just been this awful um, thing that I had to go through uh, that I didn't realize at the time what was going on. And so the doctors were always telling me there is no cure. The only thing mm. you can do is take Veltrex and you have to go on antivirals and you have to do this now because the more you put it off, the worse, uh, the more likely it is that uh, you can actually have permanent nerve damage and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, so that was a big thing for me because I realized, you know what? Um, my father, he, uh, he, just to give a quick little backstory, I'm going to trail over, over to my father for a second. My father had leukemia in the, around 2000, and he was he was like 40, right, which is not normal, specifically back in the late 90s and the early 2000s for someone in their 40s to get leukemia. And um, nowadays, it's more and more common. What does it say? That Chris will. Uh, sorry, <laughs> Chris Wilson liked the show. Okay. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for my dad, as um, he was, you know, going through the whole leukemia thing, it was it was unbelievably brutal. None of us were a proper match for him. Uh, for for he needed a bone marrow transplant and all that stuff. They irradiated him. They gave him chemotherapy, and the nightmares that occurred due to negligence of. Mm. And this is in Canada. My father was a German born, um, put up for adoption into an orphanage in France, and then eventually became French, moved to Quebec, got his Canadian citizenship, and there's the whole story. And I say this because you know, um, with the Canadian. OHIP system uh, in Ontario, Ontario uh, Health Insurance. Um, yeah, you know, a lot of things were paid. He didn't have to pay for his, his his room, you know. He didn't have to pay for the chemo treatment and the radiation. But it all came at a cost. And this goes back to that whole idea of can you take care of yourself um, when, when things have become too accommodating. Mm -hmm. And one of the big things that happened is that during his uh, cancer treatments, he was irradiated. Uh, like full radiation um, through the whole body to get rid of everything in his body so they could prepare him for bone marrow transplant. Oh. Now, they couldn't give him a bone marrow transplant. Instead, they removed his own bone marrow and infused it with um, stem cells. And uh, the more I've learned about stem cells since then, I, 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 would, I, would, I would say that if I were diagnosed with uh, malignant cancer, I would just take, I would take death. And there's nothing wrong with death. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the other big things that people 
don't understand mm -hmm. is that there's nothing wrong with death. And I must say, I even put it down as a note here because I wanted to emphasize that um, I'd rather not damage my soul or invite something in in the fear of death. And what I mean by that is that I won't make decisions in my life mm -hmm. that I know uh, I'm, I'm, I'm letting something negative in just because I fear death. And if you don't fear death, these yeah. things don't, you don't let them it's into true. your life on, on the same level. And yeah. so um, to wrap up what I'm talking about here is um, my father, he's, I, I think he's absolutely petrified of life, of, of death. He's also petrified of life. Um, you know, growing up in an orphanage, he never had anybody to care for him. And he'd always been very clingy to uh, the partners that he had been with his whole life because of that, I think. And um, so they irradiated, they irradiated him, removed his bone marrow, put it in the deep freeze. Um, <laughs> and uh, then, like I mentioned, oh, hit pays for your hospital room. But uh, by the time he was finished with his radiation, there were no rooms available. Mm. So they put him out into the hallway near the emergency room. And he naturally got pneumonia mm -hmm. after radiation. And they told him, they told him that his chance of surviving that was about 3%. And he survived. And after having survived that, the doctors, uh, you know, astonished said, could it be that, because they could hear the French accent on him, could it be that he's a strong wine drinker? And uh, my mother, you know, she would say, yeah, of course. Uh, he'd been drinking half a bottle at least uh, since he's 16 <laughs> or 15 yeah. every day. And they said, well, um, I've heard of stories of um, wine drinkers um, surviving uh, infections when their immune system after radiation because of the fact that you have all these good bacteriums mm -hmm. and other things inside of your body that can help you out. And uh, this goes to another important thing that I kind of wanted to talk about was um, the idea of alcohol. And so now we're, we're kind of starting to slowly get into the idea of demons. Um, the word alcohol itself, I'm going to share something with you guys. I'm doing a lot of the talking. Maddie's going to come back in a minute. I know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, we have a new studio. Take a look at that. So, here, I have to put my thing. Yeah, let's uh, change the color there. Um, alcohol played. And so the first off, this is in Norse culture. I wanted to talk about alcohol in Norse culture. But I also wanted to say that the word alcohol itself, the origin of the word in our uh, English Western culture comes from, um, I believe, a Sumerian uh, demon called Algol. Alcohol is uh, also often noted that when people are alcoholics, the effects mm -hmm. that they that they have are like being possessed by Algol, mm -hmm. which is why alcohol, I've heard, has been dubbed um, after Algol. Um, mm -hmm. And it's interesting because in in the Norse world. Um, People drank ale more than water because the brew had to be boiled as a part of the process. Mm -hmm. And so it was safer to drink. Yep. The Norse and Scandinavians had four main types of fermented beverages. Main types, you had ale mead, which was made of honey. Ale is obviously beer, which was made of uh, grain. You had fruit wines, and, mm -hmm. and that's a huge thing where Maddie and I live, um, where you just take the, the the fruits that would essentially normally mm -hmm. go bad and you let them ferment and you put them into a drink. And something called sura, which is like a, a, a fermented milk drink, hmm. right? Uh, think of it kind of like a kefir, but with a bit of an alcohol. And most of these drinks, uh, except for mead, mead had a, usually with wild uh, yeasts, you'd probably get uh, almost 10% alcohol. Um, ale was typically only a couple percent. 
fruit wines, uh, same thing. Uh, they they were often just using um, natural yeasts that were pretty much on the the fruits themselves. And uh, Syrah was uh, was um, like I said, like kefir. So they were using the fermentation of the um, of of the, of the, the the whatever that stuff was called. I can't remember. Doesn't matter. It's it's mm. also wasn't a very <laughs> strong alcoholic drink. And uh, the reason why the Norse made it to North America and to um, uh, um, Iceland and all over the world really back in the day was because when they traveled on their ships and their boats, they brought ale with them because it wouldn't go bad in yeah. water wood. Um, I just wanted to say that with alcohol because um, I, I I make honey wine here. I've, I, I drink almost every day. I have at least a, a couple ounces of whiskey every day and um, my allergies have, have like coming to Germany. I mentioned this in the previous episode. My allergies were just awful um, coming to Germany because it's just there's so many. Um, I came here over you know twelve years ago when I first moved uh, to here. It was so bad, like I was just constantly congested. And then about four or five years ago, I just started drinking uh, whiskey every day, I'd like two three ounces a day. No more allergies. Mm. All gone. Huge difference. Maddie can testify to that. Yes. True. <laughs> And the reason why I say that is because also in Norse mythology, they often talk a lot about how, um, yeah, you have to watch out when you're drinking. Mm. You should drink every day and enjoy it. Uh, you know, even um, in in in, in, mytholo in the mythology themselves, they talk about the 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 meat of poetry. You mm -hmm. know, the, um, the 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 meat of knowledge, and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. And um, but they, it came with many warnings. I mean, I've read the Poetic Eddas many times, and in Havamol alone, alone you have um, multiple stanzas where they specifically say, don't be a drunkard. Mm -hmm. Drink every day, but don't be a drunkard. Mm. And that's it. Very simple. And now, I, again, I, I diverged a little bit, but I wanted to talk about this with my father because alcohol is something that is very, very, very heavily you know, shunned. Uh, more and more in Western culture. I mean, being in Europe is actually really nice because it's not as shunned here as where I come from. You know, where I come from, you, you can't have open alcohol in public. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You can't buy alcohol unless it comes from a government distributor, which is absolutely insane for something that is such a huge, strong part of our culture. You know, mm -hmm. we wouldn't have been able to make it overseas and travel the world if it weren't for having low volume alcohol and 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 it's just it's it's absolute insanity to even think that you know um it's it became taxed that's mm -hmm. that's really what it boiled down to it became a a good source of tax money and uh, they wanted to control that the 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 people doing the taxation um, so that being said, that's kind of one little side story I want to say, because my father survived having uh, pneumonia while um, being in the hospital. And while he was in the hospital, you know, they were feeding him garbage, coffee. Like, I mean, look, I, I'm not saying coffee's garbage, but I'm saying he had no immune system and they're giving him all these stimulants and they're giving him all like white flour and garbage food. So nothing but carbohydrates and starch like really shit starch like mm -hmm. like microwaved garbage with with nothing but coffee and sugar and um of course it was it was really bad I, he he uh, he he got cold sores as well and so sometimes like went with no immune system they would go up into his eyes and into his ears Oof. it was it was quite uh, brutal to see but um my mother um she's a she's a nutritionist um uh, a homeopath, natural path. And um, 
I took that for granted a lot when I was younger mm -hmm. because, uh, you know, it just meant that all my friends got to eat good stuff. <laughs> and I didn't. And it, and it was a pain in the ass, you yeah. know. I was raised in a, in a household where I had to go to church and not all my other friends had to. So it was more like, shit, that sucks. Um, they were able to eat things like Fruit Loops and uh, Fruit Roll-Ups and all that stuff <laughs> and all these funky uh, back-in-the-day uh, crap that we used to eat, like all the chocolate bars and the candies and all that. And none of that was in my household. It was just not there. And so um, I developed this like urge for a sweet tooth, which was funny because my father's a pastry chef. <laughs> and mm -hmm. so the only the only sweeties we would get would be from his his patisserie, and it was like it was all his stuff was made with like good ingredients, so it wasn't the same as like getting your fix of uh, eating a Snickers or something yeah. you know, when you were a kid. And um, and so as 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 then I got older, and then um, when I saw my father in the hospital and my mother. She would go and visit him and she would bring him all of these home uh, made remedies that she was concocting and the hospital wouldn't let her give it to him. Mm. Like they, they said, no, you're, uh, you're not allowed to give him uh, nothing from outside world is allowed yeah. to come in because yeah, yeah. of the enclosed environment, you know, and really what it boils down to is they're flipping the bill. So therefore it's their, it's their body, not his. Mm. And um, this this was something where my mother had to start sneaking treatment into his food. And my father said, after all the years, um, the one thing that helped him the most with, with cognition and clarity and feeling better was something that's called oil of, oil of oregano. Mm -hmm. um, it has carvacrol in it, which pretty much is a, a natural um, antiviral, anti-inflammatory, and um, so on and so forth that comes from essentially the oregano plant. Mm -hmm. There are certain types of oregano. and it's just the essential oil of it? Yeah, the oils of yeah. it, exactly, which comes back to alcohol. Um, alcohol is the second um, best sol um, soluble, in, uh, uh, soluble um, what do you call it, um, substance that you can use to... Solvent? Solvent, there yeah. you go. Solvent in the universe, water being the first one, alcohol being the second, meaning that oils are soluble in alcohol and not in water, but most of the other stuff that is that mm -hmm. aren't soluble in alcohol will be soluble in water, such as salts and sugars and so on and so forth. And um, it really goes to show you, you know, that there was... It, it was incredible. You know, they were looking at my mother and saying, you know, you can't do this. And and what you're talking about is 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 you know, woo-woo and mm. not real. Um, to Before I leave this uh, section of, of, of today's program, uh, which is going to be a long program, I think, because we're already in 45 minutes and we've only really touched on to it. I think we're going <laughs> to... I know it's it's um, Wednesday, 8 o'clock our time, so Central, Eastern, Central European Standard, we started. And uh, it's actually nice because I think at nighttime, the noise of the day... Mm -hmm. calms down and we can start to think about these things. And I really do want to talk about a couple more um, esoteric things uh, in a few moments. And so uh, before I leave the whole thing with my father and and my past uh, experience, you know, discovering myself through my um, health crisis, really at the time, um, my mother had, uh, she was a part of a, an organization in Ontario that I think was called Trillium. What they did was is that um, they had uh, joined all the, the the health systems together so that it was supposed to be easier for the people, but it was really just data mining, I think. And um, they started these 
new types of walk-in clinics where you had alternative medicine, the regular family doctor, the um, dermatologist, and uh, maybe even you know, a couple other things, foot doctor mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. And they even have like a little health clinic in there as well for exercise, aerobics, um, yoga, Pilates, that kind of stuff. And um, she was there working in a in a in a alternative medicine um, naturopath shop. Selling things like oil of oregano and 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 uh, her consultation and um, so on and so forth and um, she got a couple strikes because eventually someone from the board came down and talked to her and also talked to a couple of the doctors that were working upstairs mm -hmm. and uh, the first thing they told her was is they said um, you're not allowed to say that anything that you do works mm -hmm. so she always had to reformulate and self um, censor every time she spoke to someone in that building. You know, she wasn't allowed to say, take this, it, it will help you with your whatever, or this will cure your whatever. She had to say, take this. There's a 1% chance it'll help you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it got to the point where she couldn't have a normal mm. conversation because the the people who have who don't have her education, her education took years to get and experience-based as well, mm -hmm. um, are trying to tell her what she can and cannot say about her industry. And then the doctors, same thing upstairs, a couple of them who are actually fans of the uh, alternative medicine industry, they... Um, they were approached because after getting a few strikes saying, oh, you have a thing with your skin. Well, before you try cortisone or steroids or anything like that, why don't you go downstairs and talk to, uh, you know, Harris's mother and, and, and ask her for some help mm -hmm. because she has some wonderful things that really work. And he would, he got a strike because then um, the, the, you have to realize that with doctors and with hospitals and with organizations, they're all backed by insurances mm. and they have specific protocols as to what they're supposed to do under certain circumstances. And it's not accepted that um, before Western medicine, you put alternative medicine, alternative medicine for, like I said, alternative medicine with quotes. Um, and so a couple doctors almost lost their positions because they got a couple strikes as well, mm -hmm. referring people to alternative medicine. So my mother then said to the to the people there, they said she said, what's the point of me being here? It's it's what Maddie calls in her industry greenwashing. <laughs> it's this <laughs> idea of using yeah. the illusion of of trying to appear like you're more careful and more in touch with mm -hmm. You know, uh, health or what we call, you know, sometimes even yuppie stuff, right? Um, to it, it's it's all fashion, mm. right? So the hospital knows this from a PR point of view that they're going to jump onto the latest fad, and they're going to use it, but only within reason to be able to maybe even more get the people away from that and onto Western medicine is what I'm seeing more. So that's that's a nice little story. I'm going to wrap up there, but um, going back to my shingles before I pass it over to Maddie. Um, I decided to start really looking into my own health. Uh, my ex-girlfriend at the time, Linda, helped a lot, um, and uh, it was it was it was crazy, you know, having to do my own research and have to read papers that were uh, published online and and talking to my mother. I ended up getting you know developing a really good relationship to my mother at the time mm. because I came to her for the first time in her life 
respecting her knowledge and 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 her opinions and all that because we 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 had a lot of friction uh, mm. between us uh, in my teenhood because I wanted to do things like be a musician and tour the the the, the, the you know North America and not uh, <laughs> and and not uh, pursue uh, the education of uh, of academia right and. Um, that being said, it was actually really interesting to see how all of a sudden I, I would have all these conversations with her, and um, I learned so much from her. I couldn't believe how much knowledge was in my mother's <laughs> nugget. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so uh, I never—I I didn't take the pills. I think mm -hmm. uh, I took the first bottle at the time because I didn't know better. And then after that, I realized, you know what? Mm. I'm not letting any of this stuff in. Yeah. I'm, I'm not letting any of the garbage in. Um, I like to look at my 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 body as, as as like another person, almost like a child that I'm responsible for. Mm -hmm. You know, I have my body, my mind, and my 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 spirit, and it's important to understand that these are different entities. Mm -hmm. You know, and that one affects the other. If you uh, have too much garbage in your body, you're gonna you're not gonna be able to think properly, so your mind will deteriorate. Yeah, your mind deteriorates. You lose the ability to um, acknowledge spirit. And 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 it goes in circles. You know, this is what we often refer to as the Trinity, even in Catholicism. Mm -hmm. um, so I said no, and that was the first. That was a big journey. Mm -hmm. I got off of all of that stuff. I quit my work. I got rid of all the stress in my life. Um, I actually left a, quite a few people behind. I realized were stressed. And I just realized that a lot of my sickness was my own doing. Mm -hmm. It was the stress and the garbage that I let in. Yeah, and it became the first big discovery in my life. Like, I mean, I've, I've had quite a few big discoveries in my life, but this one was like such a, a, a reassurance to me. You know, when you start using your intuition, amazing things happen. Beautiful yep. things happen. Absolutely. And my intuition led me to a much better place. And um, amazing things started happening. Like a, as I became more and more intuitive, my sense of smell grew. My my ability to 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 harness information through the senses of my physical environment grew, mm -hmm. and um, I was able to hear better. Like all these little things, because I felt I realized that I was numb before, and I alleviated myself by removing the cause of the numbness. And after having done so, it uh, it allowed me to really seek out a a a, a a better quality of life and understanding and um, relationship to myself and to the universe and to the world in general. Um, I moved to Europe. I came here only thinking I'd be here for a few years and amazing synchronicities happened coming here. The biggest one is that when I first moved here, um, I came to Southwest Berlin mm -hmm. with no reason <laughs> other than the fact that I, 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 I've been to Germany a few times I thought Berlin was a very interesting place. I didn't know anything about Berlin, specifically what areas are the good areas and bad areas and rich areas and poor areas and all that stuff, business areas, nothing. And so I moved to Southwest Berlin in, into a little place called Seelendorf. Um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, I then, when I was, I then later on, like after a year or so of being here, I reconnected with my, uh, my German uh, family, the, my father's family that he didn't have any connection to. And um, so I drove down to Franconia, which is northern Bavaria, where they are. And I, we, 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 we together, like myself and, and some of my family, we decided to try and figure out what happened to my grandmother because mm -hmm. there's no death record. Uh, nobody knows what happened to her. She just disappeared. And um, it was one of these amazing things because 
She had only lived outside of Bavaria a few times in her life. And one was in France where when she was there for like half a year when she gave up more or something like that, it gave up my father to an orphanage. Mm -hmm. And the second time was when she lived a couple blocks away from where I moved to <laughs> in Seyendorf. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was unreal. Like I couldn't explain the feeling and the connection. There was something there that, 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 that pulled me to that area. And, and I really, and then I, I, I met, you know, my, my German family and saw their dramas and saw their difficulties and realized how much of that is in my father. And he's never mm -hmm. even met them. Yep. And so you start to see the things like genetic memory. That's only something that's, uh, or spiritual memory, whatever you want to call it. That's only something that's now starting to be really talked about in more of an open manner. So um, anyway, I've, I've been talking for quite some time. I have some other things I'd like to go over. Maddie, you've been sitting there all nice <laughs> and patiently. And uh, I want to give you a chance. I see some comments coming in on Podbean. Um, yeah, a lot of uh, likes. Thank lots you of very likes. much. Well, thank you guys. Yeah, uh, I'm going to turn things over to Maddie for a second. Okay. And um, why don't you tell us a little bit about um, your... Because mm -hmm. obviously for you, the big thing we shared is that... Um, that 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 idea of of being numb and and moving away from it, um, mm -hmm. for her it was with the education, mm -hmm. something that she thrived for. I think that eventually it almost tore you apart, and you had to yep. make a decision. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I guess with me it was a little different because I grew up in the uh, GDR and I had no um, like yeah. Uh, That's East Germany for you guys. East Germany, which is. <laughs> Uh, communist under yeah. the Soviet Union. And I had no religious background. So my my grandma was a little bit, uh, was like not Christian, but... Uh, Lutheran. Lutheran. Yeah, Lutheran. Um, but my, my father, not at all. And so I grew up with no idea about spirits or anything like that. So it was very logical, <laughs> right? I think that's why I was always interested also in, in science. And that's... Yeah, I started studying and also in school, I liked learning a lot, but I also realized that certain things were just not so interesting for me and I didn't understand why I have to sit all day in school. But I decided to go to university and to learn more about biology and studying biology. And I really, really liked it. I, I loved it. I sat there for hours and hours and did even more than I had to for all the exams because I was just so interested in and. Then I also decided after my studies that I'll uh, pursue a PhD and I was specifically looking for a topic where I felt like this is something important. I will contribute to knowledge that will help animals, wildlife that we can support. And so that was motivating me. But also, I, to be honest, I had the motivation to show my parents <laughs> that I am... Yeah, I am able to really do this, that I'm able to um, to become a PhD or become a doctor. And that was a big motivation as well, F different reason. And so I was then almost seven years into my PhD, where at one point, I think after five years, I just sat down in my room. I remember that as it was yesterday. And I just felt so empty. Although I liked my work, I felt um, this is important to do, but I felt empty and I felt like, I don't know what I, why I'm doing this. And I couldn't feel my body really anymore because 
through the whole process of the PhD, I was under a lot of pressure from my supervisor and also I myself pressured <laughs> myself a lot. So I lost a lot of weight. I lost my hair. Um, I felt that I couldn't sleep anymore. There were a couple of days where I couldn't fall asleep. And so over three, four days, I was not able to sleep. And I thought like this, I will never be able to sleep again. That was a horrible yeah. feeling. I remember it's one of these things, you know, when, yeah. when I first met her uh, seven years or so ago now. Yeah. Um, uh, she, it was the, the hardest thing for her was she, she had a hairpiece on top of her hair to thicken it up. Yeah. Was to tell me about it. I was so em embarrassed. Yeah. And... I don't know, just, it was obviously there was something wrong, but I couldn't fi quite figure out <laughs> what it was and what I can do against it because I was in the middle of my PhD. I couldn't just stop and, and change a lot, but eventually I had to because I realized this is not how I can live um, further. Really had a nervous breakdown big time, like a burnout, if you want to call it like that. Um, and I, I really needed to change something. And so I tried the normal stuff, you know, went to a psychologist, I went to people that were specialized on scientists to, yeah, um, give them advices from a psychological point of view. It helped a little bit, but I still felt that emptiness within me. I still didn't know how to approach that. I even felt so sad that I thought, you know, death is more appealing to me than life in that moment. Um, and so I, I looked out for other possibilities. I started looking into yoga, into chakra reading. And I remember also one day I was in a, in a, in a train station and I had a couple more minutes and I was in a kiosk like a magazine shop. <laughs> yeah. And it was a book a about... newspaper stand. Yeah, it was a book about um, shamanism. And so, like magically attracted to it, I went and I bought it. I read the whole thing in, in a row. And I was just fascinated by the ideas that there is something like spirits out there, that we have a soul, that there are other beings around, that there's such a thing like a, um, a, a spirit animal and I, at that point, thought, well, this, you know, this can't be real. I would have known about this, <laughs> you know, by now. But it, it really, I think it was the, the biggest discovery in my life when I opened up to the possibility that there is more that we can see, hear, smell and feel. And that there is, that there are things like spirits around us. And because I, when I was a child and also a teenager, I had a lot of experiences that I couldn't explain that were out of logical <laughs> range for me, especially in connection with uh, with nature, like the real world, you know, being outside, connecting to trees, to plants and to animals. I always felt a very strong energy coming from natural places that I couldn't quite explain what this is. And with this shamanic approach, there was the first time in my life where a lot of things made sense to me. So I looked more into it and I started learning sh shamanic techniques, shamanic journeying, and also the concept of, um, for example, yeah, extra extraction of energy extraction, yeah. energy that doesn't belong within your system, how you can get rid of it. And slowly, really slowly, it was a process of many, many years. I, I got better. I really felt there is uh, that there are burdens coming off of me. Mm -hmm. And if I if I explain what happened within these years, I, I think people won't believe me. 
I was crying on the floor for so many times, really feeling how everything poured out of me. A lot of miserable um, ex yeah, experiences. And the big thing that I attracted in my life were a lot of narcissistic people. And at that time, I didn't even know what narciss narcissists is narcissistic no. people are <laughs> yeah, what they were huh? what this what this means because it was so normal for me living with uh narcissistic people my family my mother and also my grandma had a lot of uh heavy narcissistic features in in their lives and i know where that comes from and i'm not you know complaining about this or anything i just never thought that this is actually not how a human or a, um a healthy spirit would act. Yeah. I, I, I want to interject on a couple yeah, of things, sure. not to cut you off, but no, I, no. I want to say that um, the way that you express the, the the crying uncontrollably and you know going through these things, uh, it's it. This is something that I, I must say. You know, we we our dramas are all different, right? Mm -hmm. um, There's a book that I read a while back um, when I was 15 or something like that. It came across uh, so mid 90s, I guess. Uh, end of the 90s, uh, the Celestine Prophecy. Mm -hmm. And um, the Celestine Prophecy was written by uh, a James Redfield. And he, uh, I believe he was a psychologist or a psychiatrist, think, graduated. Yeah, and he decided to write a book that was a fictional novel that talks about uh, the elements of, of psychology when it comes to uh, understanding human dramas and mm -hmm. energy exchange. So mm -hmm. the book actually came forth in almost a very spiritual way to express uh, very simple uh, mechanisms. Yep. And I just wanted to pull that up for a second here because I just decided to put them on screen here. Mm. And uh, the Celestine Prophecy talks about four main control dramas and control dramas are used to exchange energy. Mm -hmm. um, every form of conversation, you and I talking, mm -hmm. us talking to you guys, uh, interacting with a cat. Every <laughs> every type of interaction that we have on this planet, even with trees and vegetables and animals, people, inanimate objects, everything. Mm -hmm. There's an energy exchange, yep. you know. Um, and if 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 you guys are out there that are if there are people out there that are more locked in the the world of chemistry, well, then you could look at it in maybe perhaps a, a kind of an electromagnetic sense. But I I'm more of the opinion that life energy is not on the electromagnetic spectrum. Mm -hmm. And there have been multiple attempts to try and put it on there. And it seems more and more that uh, that, that it's actually something quite different. Mm -hmm. um, and so the dramas that we have in our life, um, are you like the way that uh, um, James Redfield here wrote it down, he says, uh, the poor me control drama, mm -hmm. the aloof drama, the interrogator drama, mm -hmm. and the intimidator yeah. intimidator control drama and what that really means is is that people will have um essentially main dramas and that's like when you start a conversation in a specific environment this will be the first drama that you pull up and put on the table mm -hmm. and something like that might be um the the, the poor me drama you yeah. know like you walk into a room and you start talking about your problem so that people look at you and start giving you their energy. Yeah. But if you're in a room where the people in there are the intimidators, they don't give a fuck about your poor little problems. <laughs> They're going to attack you. Mm. And so that drama is not going to work, which means that you have to go to your backup drama to be able to counteract that person. Mm -hmm. And so the poor me might quickly turn into the interrogator where mm -hmm. the person who's trying to be intimidating, you're now going, well, what's the matter with you? Mm. Are, you know, did you not get your oatmeal this morning? 
And <laughs> and and so and and then that person can see that he's not intimidating you, and now he has to go on to a backup yeah. drama, which might be the pity me. Like, yeah, I didn't get my oatmeal. I'm sorry for lashing out at you. You know, like the the, yeah. the so this is kind of like a simplistic way of 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 looking at the dramatic exchange. But I wanted to say this because um, when you're talking about the narcissists. And that mm-hmm. constant energy, mm-hmm. thievery. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think that, um, not obviously, but I mean, for me, I think it's obvious the way that these things uh, flow in and out for me, I, I acknowledge these things. And, mm-hmm. I, and I think that it's 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 like any, it's like learning a language when you learn it for the first time. Yeah. If you've mm-hmm. never been aware of any of this stuff before, yeah. It's it's exactly like learning a language because you have to start becoming aware of your surrounding, your interactions, yourself mm-hmm. to look at yourself objectively on a level that you have never been able to before. Yep. And once you start to do this, it it's it takes time. And I've heard some people say that it takes at least 30 years, you know, when you start waking up and um looking in a, looking at yourself objectively mm-hmm. and working on what might be called as spiritual development or um self self-help spiritual mm-hmm. or self-acknowledgement and development and all that stuff and it, it it might take a good 30 years before you achieve a, a, a specific type of comfort with the knowledge that you've ascertained mm-hmm. and and i know a lot of people you know maddie started i think um fairly later in life you know in her 30s this yep. this, this started to become more her journey yep. I, I started like i said you know in my teens uh growing up in a catholic family um moving away from catholicism was actually one of the the huge uh, triggers in my life that made me want to connect with the universe mm. because uh, there was a lot of guilt and shame put onto me mm-hmm. for not wanting to be a part of the traditional Christian society anymore. Mm-hmm. And um, what she was expressing earlier about crying on the floor, I can all I, I can say for me because of my dramas and my issues in my life, um, things manifest themselves for me more in anger. Yeah. And frustration and that's typically a very male thing as well that when 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 shit's going wrong we get angry when women uh, like maddie a very sensitive lady uh when shit goes wrong for her she cries you know and and she's very sensitive and she's hurt um and 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 you know she maybe she wants to be angry but she doesn't have that energy anymore mm. right and for me it's like maybe i, I do want to cry but i'm fucking angry i can't <laughs> and and the 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 reality behind it is what I'm trying to say is that to me, this is that disconnect that I was previously talking mm-hmm. about, that numbness. I think yeah. that when you are crying uncontrollably and you don't know why, because of all these interactions in your life, um, whether it be putting yourself under a lot of stress to try and achieve something that you don't even know you want, or to be judged by people who are just narcissistic mm-hmm. cunts and trying to fucking put something over you the entire time, and they don't care about you, yeah. you know, and you're supposed to go through the society and this is supposed to be a nice life. Right, you know, you, yeah. you you've 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 spent you spent a huge portion of your life. She was in school until she was thirty five. I mean, when she graduated with her PhD properly. Yeah, it's true. Um, so imagine, you know, she was indoctrinated uh, mm-hmm. into. Uh, uh, I guess with you, it was even younger because before kindergarten, they have child daycare over yeah. here, which is government. Uh, it's like a, it's like the inauguration into <clears throat> into kindergarten. And she started that when she was probably two. Mm, uh, yeah. Don't know anymore. <laughs> right? So from two years old to 35, she was under governmental yeah. care. Financially and um uh informationally. Yeah, right? absolutely. And that's and that's that to, to like when you really think of that now objectively. Yeah. 
how scary is that? Absolutely. Yeah. Really? And so I just want oh, to yeah. kind of, bef- to, uh, to, I want I want to let you keep going. Obviously, I just want to inject and kind of put <laughs> that into a bigger package here. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, when you tell me that it's uncontrollable crying and you don't know why, that to me is, like I said before, mind, body, and spirit. That's the body yeah. freaking out saying, I, I want to connect, but you're not letting me. Your mind is making these decisions that's overriding what the body and the spirit mm-hmm. wants. And, and they're becoming more and more detached. The body's dying and is deteriorating. Yeah, I think there are a lot of things um, that, you know, we can talk about this. I think, again, the big thing for me was to realize that I am not not just human, <laughs> if you want to put it like that, that I am not just my body and my emotions or the things that I think, but there there is more within me, actually more something that um, uh, over, um, yeah, is like an umbrella over everything, and that's that's the 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 spirit. Or as I learned it from the shamanic uh, point of view, a spirit is more like a general thing. This you know, a plant can have a spirit or an animal, but the soul is something very individual. Like I have a soul, and the soul of this animal. So it's more a person of person of fight. But anyways, with that in mind, that um, there is something more and and greater that that we can that just our body um that is guiding us if we let it and if we're aware of this and i think there's that theory or i heard a couple of times that theory and i actually think that is uh true that we when we come here on earth we already determine our situations how we want to grow up with the people around us that we choose the other souls <laughs> around us who will play which role and how this will uh, be in order to create a situation that we might have some experiences in life that are putting us uh, ourselves under such a pressure that eventually we have to remember who we 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 uh, sorry who we really are <laughs> yeah. that we remember that we are energy and um such a such a beautiful can, can we have a beautiful connection with everything that is and with me it took really 30 years <laughs> a lot of pressure until i realized that because there was no way for me to go anymore any further i was sick i was tired mentally physically um psychology from a psychological point of view i i was just done and that that was the only thing that really helped me to realize wait a minute, I am actually good the way I am. I don't need to prove anyone anything. It doesn't matter if I finish that PhD. It doesn't matter what I do in my life. The only thing is matters that I am happy and how can I fulfill that happiness or how can I find that happiness that you really go down, go within yourself and connect to your soul again and then you can start feeling your intuition again and then you realize wow if i do this this feels really good maybe i should follow that that's something mm-hmm. um that that will lead me to a happy lifestyle and i i achieved a lot of things in my life but looking back many of these things were because i wanted to prove myself and i put so much effort in it and so much work into it looking back um yeah these things are not important for me anymore. I don't need to have that doctor title in front of my name. But for many years, that was the only goal I wanted to achieve. So I felt like if I have this, then I will then be, be complete. Yeah. I will be complete, and I will be a better human. I will be more worth. That was a big. How do you thing. feel about that now? It's bullshit. <laughs> 
so we have a question yeah. I just wanted to oh, say yeah. real quick uh, cool. from Chris Wilson in the chat. Yeah. Yeah, Chris Wilson's is a really small print over there. I have to lean into it. Can you read it? Or? I know, it's bad. Um, so Chris Wilson asked, uh, what, uh, what what did you do your thesis on? Ah, yes. Yeah, so um, I did it on... What was your dissertation topic specifically is what he questioned. Okay, yeah. I was interested in uh, how the wildlife in cities is adapting to, to these environments. So I looked at rabbits in the urban and the rural and suburban area and I compared the behavior, the genetics, the physiology. So I really try to contribute knowledge with my PhD to um, the adaptation of wild animals to human environments and how cities maybe become a hotspot of biodiversity in the future and how we can actually also learn to live with wildlife amongst us in cities so mm -hmm. that was a that was a big motivation i got offers for other phds that were fully financial fi financed for three years but i rejected because i thought no i want to really do something and important for you guys out there what that really means is that yeah. when you're fully financed it means that you're pretty much on a salary it means yes. that monthly you're getting paid and uh expenses and costs will be covered such as perhaps even transportation and lodging and yeah and so on and so forth um, and that's not what Madeline decided to do. She wanted to follow something that she was more <laughs> interested in because she didn't want to go to Big Pharma and she didn't yeah. want to do uh, anything yeah. else like that. But also, and that's maybe something we can come back to demons and energies. Um, I had the belief that, um, yeah, I'm, I'm not worth a lot. That's what, that's what I kind of got from my childhood that if I'm not doing what my mother and my dad wanted from me, that, uh, you know, I, I was like, oh, okay, then you're a bad child. And then we don't have the title that you wouldn't be worth. Yeah, yeah. Then we don't like you anymore. Um, when, when I went at school and I really showed good grades and all that, that's when I got the appreciation that I needed so desperately as a child. That's how I combined this. And it also showed in my life that I financially was always very unstable. I always uh, had financial problems, even rejecting these financial, uh, you know, th these positions where I would have been paid really mm. well. I rather decided to do something without any payment and financial struggles for many, many years. And, and this, I think these beliefs that we have about ourselves project um, a mirror in our environment. Absolutely. If you believe that you're Absolutely. not worth a lot, well, guess what, how that will manifest in your life, then you won't have enough. Mm -hmm. And just recently, I, I made a big breakthrough where I realized, you know, the you can see this wealth everywhere in in, in nature, I say it again, <laughs> nature, just look around you. There are so many flowers and forms and colors. So life, and yeah. life and it is abundant. It's so abundant that we can also see this abundance in each and every one of ourselves. You don't need to have an education for, for many, many years. You don't need to have the PhD in front of your name. But you have everything within yourself that you need. You have skills that makes you um, unique. And I think it's our, not task, but maybe it's also part of being here on earth that we explore what is so unique about ourselves and mm -hmm. what are our values and how can we bring them into reality, into life. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to jump into the next part uh and i want to say many that was very lovely thank uh, you very much <laughs> the next part i kind of want to jump into is uh and like i mentioned this is going to be a longer episode today we have already uh you know surpassed the hour 
It's uh, you know what happens the... like ten o'clock and I know. <laughs> so I got I have a bowl of apple slices and cheese here, so you can eat those, but try not to chomp into the microphone. I've been I've been a little cautious to not do so myself. No, you know how I eat, so <laughs> I'm sure that people who uh, go to uh, broadcasting school they learn don't eat in front of the microphone. No, I don't like that either. I yeah. can hang on; it's fine. Yeah, yeah. So um, I, I want to talk about a couple, like I want to change direction just a little bit here. Um, I'm of the impression in my life, and I'm sure for you guys out there, you'll find it to be very similar as well. And I know that with Maddie, it was also the same thing. I think that when we're children, we know how to communicate yeah. and how to connect to reality. Absolutely. We are we are taught to unlearn that mm -hmm. through these dramas and these stresses and these issues that yeah. uh, present themselves throughout their whole life, trying to, uh, and, and they're constantly presented to us with choices. And this is now where we start to get into demons more. Mm -hmm. I'm growing, like I mentioned, you know, with the Catholic background, the way that I was taught about demons was that you have to let them in, mm -hmm. right? And the way that you let them in is by letting your guard down is a big thing, mm -hmm. not being aware, mm -hmm. you know, allowing shit energy to come into you, mm -hmm. right? And at the same time, often demons present themselves with a question, or a choice. And that mm -hmm. question is, would you like to do something that you know deep down mm -hmm. is going to affect you mm -hmm. in a, perhaps a negative enough. way that you have to give something up for it? Yeah. And these choices are always presented themselves and you they present they're presented to you as something that you can always go away from. Mm -hmm. And what that might mean is is like a good example is like even with with the scholastic system here in Germany, it's paid. A lot of people don't really know that, but mm -hmm. this school they say it's free. But nothing is really for free. Yeah. Uh, the entire time that she was uh, studying, she wasn't allowed to make money because the government was paying for the well, education. Not more than a couple hundred uh, it, well, euros. Well, that's yeah. that, that to me. Like again, while yeah. she's studying, she's not allowed to make more than a couple hundred euros a month. And if she were to make any more than that, the government would take it. Mm. And um, what? Then they will take away your student status because they say you're not student anymore because you work. That's right. right. And so this is this is a part of that manipulation in the sense that you you have to give up that sovereignty of being able to take care of yourself and say, okay, I want to learn, and so therefore I'm giving myself over for you, and you're going to take care of me. Mm. And this is some, the same thing that 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 happens, I think, at a young age in school as mm -hmm. well. Is this constant reassessment that you will not survive later on when you're mm -hmm. older if you don't mm -hmm. learn this stuff. There's also what what we learned right from the childhood. I think when we were born, we are complete and we are, you know, just perfect the way we are. And we would just like leave alone. <laughs> you know, right. people would say that to us, our parents. I think that's, we don't have children yet. But I think the main issue, main thing that I learned is that I would say my to my child, you are perfect the way you are. And that you don't need to do anything special for us that we, you know, appreciate you. And I guess most of us <laughs> haven't experienced that in their childhood. Um, like, and that, that's how you learn, you know, you learn that I'm not right the way I, the way yeah. I am. Something needs so, to change. Yeah, something needs to change. And then you start changing the way people say, okay, if you do this and if you do, do that, if you always please me, you know, if the parents like, oh, you're not allowed to be angry, then you push away these feelings and more and more you separate yourself from your, from your true emotions from your true self because you know that if I'm real me, they will reject me. And this is 
is is uh, life threatened when you are a child because you need your parents to take care of you. <laughs> but these dramas and these energies that you pushed away, they're still within you even when you're an adult. And many of these dramas, they they lead your behaviors. They are um, kind of, yeah, on a subconscious level and you decide upon them. There's always... Um, what at least with me, I, I know that there's a lot of fear still to be rejected by someone, and that fear is so great. Although it's you know no one can can threaten my life here in, in in that regard anymore as if I was a child. But still, these fears are still there, and mm -hmm. you have to face them and also feel. That's what I meant yep. with when I said I was on the floor crying i think a lot of things that i never felt um in my life that i pushed away so um far mm -hmm. that um once you you um, get back into connection with your body and also with your so you are going through these waves of old emotions and they just get out of you yep. so that you yep. can make space actually for um the energy that is really mm -hmm. that really needs to be there uh, you know I wanted to go a little bit into a bit of a paranormal um, <coughs> sense right now because I think that at least when I was young, and I know that with you as well, there were specific paranormal uh, mm -hmm. events in our lives yeah. that um, happened. And when you're a child, it's it's not that abnormal to yeah. look at the world with that type of creativity, mm -hmm. right? To to think that what you have is not everything. There's an imagination that can yeah. flourish as well. And um so with me, I ended up seeing uh, some UFOs when I was uh, in my teens, with, specifically with a friend. Um, I, I recently saw another one very recently with uh, Madeline when we were uh, up on a hill around the corner from here, just uh, relaxing. And um, when she was young, you know, uh, she had an, an outer body experience. And uh, did you try to tell your parents about that? Sorry, I was reading. <laughs> I was not listening. <laughs> I you, know, right? Uh, so you, I was saying that when me. you were when you were younger, you had a, an out of body experience. Yes. Um, did, did you try to tell your parents about no, that? No, that would have just put me into. <laughs> and and that and it starts right there. Is yeah. that even that fear of being able to tell people that you are acknowledging the world um, in a different way? That that fear is something that then you start to really see that you start to question maybe a greater universe or 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 a better connection or a, a, a greater connection that's possible, right? And when you start to question these things, they all become diminished. And as they diminish, mm. you diminish yourself because you don't realize. <laughs> no, it, it does, you know, because this is not a small topic. It's no, about it's an hour true. and a half in. And uh, when I called, when I labeled this show hospitals and demons, I meant it. Yeah. I, I mean it in the sense that when, when you go to an institution, whether it be for your education for your health, well-being of any sort, religion, you're going there because you want to make a connection to the reality of the universe and the world and you want to experience a better life. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what life to me is. It's connecting to the universe. You want to come out better than you went in. <laughs> Something like that. Exactly. Yeah. And every single one of these sources, religion has nothing to do with spirituality. Mm. The education system has nothing to do with knowledge. Mm. Right, uh, the hospital system has nothing to do with health. Yeah, and when you start to really see these things, you go in there and you give yourself up with your own free will and volition, and they abuse you. Mm. They torment you and they tell you that you have to do what they say, or else it's you're not going to be good again. You're not going to be whole. You're not going to be proper. Mm. You know all of these things, and this is where I'm trying to get that. I'm saying 
There's a time and place for going somewhere to 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 get help. I, I will never be the person that says I know everything and I'll do everything by myself. Hmm. Quite the opposite. Quite the opposite in the sense that yeah. I think that one of the hardest things to do, uh, and that was a hard thing for me to learn, is to know when to ask for help and say that you're, you you need help because you yeah. can't do it by yourself. But the big thing is that you know the people you ask for help, that you can trust them, that they have your well-being in mind and not their own and, uh, interests. And this is where it now, to me, really, really starts to become demonic. Yeah. When you put your trust into something you know you can't trust, mm. what are you doing to yourself? Yeah. Opening yourself up to a whole world of 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 just pure yeah. I don't even know the proper word to put out. Like I mean, uh, you're you're putting yourself out there and you're allowing everything in, and you, then you have to start lying to yourself and telling yourself that this is this is the what you have to do. Mm. Like you with your education, you know, you wanted that title, and the entire time your body's telling you, "I'm di we're dying." Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and I was not listening. Right, you were not listening. Instead, you were telling your yeah. body, "Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you who's boss," <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and 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 you're going to put up with this. And this just to show you, right, the the urge of of these mental uh, issues that you created in childhood—they are so strong. Like the urge for me to show my parents that I'm able to finish that PhD. Um, it was so strong that I almost, you know, not, not died from it, but, you know, I was not so far away from it anymore. And um, that I think these these dramas, they can take you away so much from your intuition. You're so much in your head. For many, many years, I was only up here. I had all my energy in my in my head. I couldn't feel my body. I was actually, I didn't care how my body, uh, if it was healthy or not, I was more concerned how it looked like, <laughs> mm. but not not functioning so well. And I think this is what, yeah, your intuition is so important because it will tell you which places are good for you and which aren't. And just um, when we were at that hospital a couple of days ago, it was so so clear the the energy that we got from this place like i couldn't take it any longer i yeah. really had to when, get out of it yeah when we got out uh like we we, we t I, t I looked at the surgeon and he's yeah. like yeah okay now that you know everything you could go in there and sign the papers and yeah. uh, give them your blood and i just looked at him i said no we're going to lunch yeah. and he's like oh well the cafeteria is like no 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 no. we're leaving the building yeah we're going outside. and we're going outside we're gonna think about this and then yeah. when i'm done when we're done we'll we'll come back if, yeah. we, if we're interested we got out there and it's like leaving that environment was just a, yeah. a wave. It like was it was crazy, just a blanket huh? being pulled off of you, yeah. you know, and and we just looked at each other. And we're like, this this place is destructive. Yeah. It it felt horrible. Yeah, it Nobody crazy. in there cared. No, you could about... really feel it. Like they were so in their own business and just just also I think the medical industry, much like the scientific industry, is full of narcissistic people. They all try not all, but many of them I met, they had this idea of, you know, if I have a title, I have a high position, I'm better than other people. And that's how they yeah. also acted out. And um yeah, I just I just felt it so strong that they and you know I I'm not judging these people because I know where it comes from. I've been there myself. Well, you you can judge them, but you don't need to shame them is what you're talking about. No, that, about. yeah, yes. that's the other thing. And you don't need to try to change it as well, you know. They all if they if they are in their pathway they'll eventually maybe also figure it out for themselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's important that for you you are so much within yourself and in tune with yourself that you can 
um, feel these energies around you and then you can make a conscious decision where you want to go, with whom you want to be, what you want to do. And from there, I think you can be, um, yeah, pretty pretty uh, happy that, you know, you won't let things in that you don't like because you see them coming, <laughs> you know, they're not sneaking yeah. upon you. It's like, no, but even sometimes, you know, I'm still considering myself to be a very happy, healthy person. And, but still sometimes I can feel there's something, you know, there that doesn't belong, but then I know how, what to do with it. I know how to get rid of it and also take it with a lot of humor if you don't know about these things. Um, that, that's a good point. That's a good advice yeah. right there. Yeah. If yeah. you don't know about these things, then you just feel like, you know, I'm a little angry today. You don't know why. Sometimes there is like a lot of tension in the yeah. air. You don't know where it comes from. And now I'm just taking a little bit of incense yeah. or, you know, just like drum, do some drummings and just send whatever it's there to say, you know, there's nothing here for you. You can go. Yeah. Um, I, I, I want to go back onto, uh, you know, smart home, stupid people yeah. for a second. Because um, as uh, as it says right here, building automation, senior technician. I've been doing this for a decade <laughs> and a half now. And um, I want to say that... Oh, we got a big question that just came in. I can, can read, read that. All yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to say that with over the last couple of years, I've seen such a large shift in technology in a very negative and, 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 and really violent way. And um, it's becoming so much more intrusive. Everywhere you go, it's becoming more and more normal that you're going to give up your information to just for some bullshit reason, you know, you want to, you want to sign in on a website, you want to uh, have a new phone contract, you want to pay the rent, you want a gas bill, all these things, all of a sudden you have to give up your information and, and, and sign up everywhere you go. Everybody wants a piece of you. And, um, I'm seeing this also with, uh, with the technologies that we're inviting into our house. And this is why I, we, we, we're now going from the idea of, the institutions being demonic in nature in the sense that they're in, completely inverted in, in the sense that they, they are no longer there. And maybe they never were there for the reason that we believe that they're there for, right? And when you think to yourself, what, 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 what's the stimulation that you're receiving on a, on a daily basis, on a, on a second by second basis? You know, let's, let's, let's talk about the home for a second. Let's talk about the environment that we live in, whether it be in our society, in our house, in, 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 a, in our building of work, uh, church, worship, all that stuff. What is there when we're in the car? And when you really think about it now, even from an electromagnetic span, uh, standpoint, if you think of lights and um, Wi-Fi and electricity, and magnetism, all of all of these things that are coming off of all of the devices, this microphone, this controller, this computer, these lights, these displays that I have in front of me, it's nice in the sense that now I can communicate to the world and we can have a show. And yeah. I, I must say, there's a big part of us that would love to just go and be Amish, you know, <laughs> and, and, and to only live with cattle on, on, a, on a piece of land. And yeah. we're looking actually for another piece of land to do that, uh, to actually have cattle and to have um, animals. And we're seeing how 
difficult it has become, how not normal it is to do that yeah. over here, that we're, we're contemplating moving back to North America because it's possible over there, specifically in the US. Canada's fucked. Uh, Mexico's not easy. Well, Mexico, you can have a good quality of life if you can fit into the culture, I yeah. think, specifically a natural life. Um, with with um, North America, you can still buy a big piece of land and live off of it, build your own place that's completely off-grid. You have a question? Uh, no, but a comment from Chris, and he asked me if he can share it, and I think it's a good uh, idea because he had a very um, interesting comment. He said, well, I'll just try to refer that, that he had a horrible accident and he was hospitalized for, um, well, I think hospitalized for a half a year? Six months, so six months, and he had a near-death experiment uh, experience, <laughs> experience for three and a half months. So he was obviously in a state for a longer time, and he said that um, he really learned what lies beyond, and that he also made that experience that we just cross over, that we change our we change um, status, we change state. the status, right, change and status, that we actually. Right. Never really die. And exactly the same experience that I made, I had kind of like a near-death experience, but an out-of-body experience on that because I remember um, there was such an intense situation at my parents' home. My, my grandma was crying. My mother was crying. They had nervous breakdowns. And so it also jumped to me. I didn't know what to do anymore. I was like 12. And so I started crying and I could see myself, you know, I kind of raised upon myself and I could see everything from up there, how the whole thing scene um, was going on. And from there, I didn't remember much, but I had a, last year, I had a workshop on dying and death, death mm -hmm. and uh, also, yeah, yeah, that, from the shamanic journey, um, from the shamanic foundation, where we actually visited the point of death in a shamanic journey. And we really experienced how it will feel for us to die and where will we be. And it was such a joyful uh, journey, I have to say, because I, I, for the first time, really felt... Um, yeah, I can't ex even explain it, but I can recommend to everyone to try this. <laughs> like, maybe not trying at home, but if you have the possibility somewhere that there are these kind of um, shamanic workshops to really do this experience and and get a sense of how it will feel like to to die. And once we you made that experience, you know that we there is nothing you have to fear of. It's it's just a change in, in in existence, just as Chris said. And I think having that experience in your life will change so much for you that you will have a fulfilled life and that you won't have these fears anymore because you know, well, you know, there's nothing much I can <laughs> nothing much that can happen to me. But we also learned in that workshop that if you live a life without these connections, without this acknowledgement of spirits and mind and soul, that you will cling so much to life and you will be so afraid of death that this experience will also be in, in that same energy pattern. You know, you won't like it probably mm -hmm. because you you are so afraid of what will happen to you. And uh, yeah, so it's kind of a self-fulfillment uh, prophecy on that level. <laughs> yeah. yeah, really, huh? Yeah, I hope I I kind of yeah, um, <laughs> reflected <laughs> how it was yeah. uh, 
how I, it was I think out of body experience, I've never had one myself. Uh, my father had one when yeah. he uh, when he died. Uh, he died a couple times uh, during have? his cancer treatment. Yeah, no. and uh, you know when he came back and he said, "Yeah, I saw the room," and he what he said, he said there is nothing after death, mm-hmm. and I think that's what he was feeling, what he was projecting. Is yeah, that, uh, he was so afraid of life that uh, he didn't even feel the afterlife. He couldn't, yeah. even though that he was given the opportunity to look at it. And this is uh, also something from from that workshop we learned that um, when you die and there are these these um, souls that they're still clinging so much onto their their earth life, <laughs> their earth experience. Sometimes they even don't realize that they're dead and they're still kind of around here. And these can also become you know so called demons because they they start to cling onto something to other mm. beings that are still in a material realm. And they try to, you know, they, they, they suck up their energy. This yeah. is also I see a lot of people of that don't even realize they're alive. And it's the same thing <laughs> in, in on the other side of the spectrum. Yeah. Uh, I think that it does it, I think it does go both ways. Yeah. I read read a light in a nice quote about that. Some um, many people ask what's um what will life be beyond no, what was that? I think I <laughs> Think about it. Okay. She's getting no, delirious no, now that yeah, we're approaching ten o'clock, ask, right? Um how is uh yeah, is there a life after death? Mm-hmm. The most important question is more, you know, the life before death. How how are you living it? How are you living it, you know? Like that's another big yeah, thing too. But you're right. right. I'm getting so, a little busy uh, <laughs> now. <laughs> I think we're gonna probably wrap up with another. Well, next we can, 10 you know, minutes. can take it as another part as well for other shows. But yeah, the one you want to show now, I think that's the cool thing. Yeah. So there are a couple things I want to. Yeah. Before the before we uh, go to our last phase for today. Yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about again acknowledging. Oh, I have to burp. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a whole bunch of beer. Um. That's also something you shouldn't do in a podcast. I know. So now I know why you shouldn't eat and drink before a mic well, in front of a microphone. You. Yeah. Alrighty. Yeah, yeah. I usually drink beer, but it's nice and fresh. So it's, it's actually probably... funny because I have a, a interview tomorrow about burping in animals. Oh, if that's animals true. Can yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Can burp. Alrighty. Yes, they can. Um, actually, by the so way. what I did want to touch upon was uh, um, the nature of smart home stupid people yeah. and the fact that I actually um, I'm starting to be more and more disgusted by my industry and I'm moving away mm-hmm. from it more and more, looking into other forms of technology. And I think that a lot of people, you know, Madeline and I, we describe the word technology as something that you that something that you create that brings benefit to yeah. your life that's technology and that can be uh you know alcohol is an amazing technology yeah. i find i find that uh foods are amazing technologies yeah. i find animals a cow is an amazing piece of technology yeah if you really think about <laughs> all the things that we would have to manufacture to replace what a cow can do mm. on a on a field is unbelievable and and so nature is the real technology in my opinion yeah. And if we model our uh, technology after nature, it will work within the laws yeah, of nature. Absolutely, right yeah. within reality. And so I want to just kind of yeah. point at. I think it's very important. I started doing this with myself, and it was a big, big, big help in my life to start acknowledging everything around. Like I was saying before, with the lights and the displays and the microphones and mm-hmm. the computer, everything is giving off something, mm-hmm. and all the little cells in our body. Everything, all the little viruses, the bacteriums, mm. the, 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 everything that's working together, our nervous system, the way that energy is being sent to and fro all the different places in our body. However, people, however you guys want to see how a human body works, 
but we're constantly being stimulated. We're yeah. being stimulated by all the radiation, by the electromagnetic fields, lights, the lights, everything. Yeah. And Noise. it's important to, to realize, like I've seen this in my industry over the last specifically five to seven years, this conversion in Europe going from incandescent light bulbs and halogen light bulbs to LED lighting. Mm. I'm seeing a, a, a massive uptick in uh, aggression, yeah. in frustration, yeah. irritability. I'm seeing, and, and, and it's, you notice it. Like I, I see p my colleagues get new computer monitors and like big ones that they're now just like, it, there's, they don't even need any other source of light on in the room. That's all well, they got. And I see their frustration. And I, and I know personally, if I have to do a, a day of computer work, um, to me, it's there's like about an hour and a half to two hour mark. Yeah. When I hit that, Maddie knows I like I I I I, I change like yeah. my the way that I can relax. And she said, you know, ever since I've been injured and I've been at home, uh, I'm going on uh, this is my fifth week now, where um, I'm barely I'm not doing a lot on the computer yeah. anymore. I'm spending as much time as I can at the hammock, <laughs> drinking beer and whiskey <laughs> and smoking cigars and just relaxing and having like rela having friends come by and just talking and that's it. Mm. And all of a sudden, she's telling me she's like your sense of humor is coming back and yeah, he's I, way more I, I fun noticed now. that my, uh, my 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 mojo is also coming back. <laughs> and a, a lot of a lot of uh, and and and, it, and, it, and I'm starting to really see that the absence of something yeah. is what shows you it exists. Yeah. And I, I know this, I mentioned this in another episode that we had previously done where I went out to a place called Burg, which is about an hour mm. and a half southeast of, of Berlin to a, a farm where I, I built a conference room. And um, there were, I, 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 I looked at my colleagues and I said, dude, it feels like the 90s. I don't know what it is. I really <laughs> like it here. Yeah, dude. And, uh, <laughs> and so... I'm, I'm looking around. I'm trying to figure out what it is, and 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 I realized there's no cell phone reception. Yeah, no. The 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 place that I'm working on, we had turned off all the uh, the main breakers so that we could in install all the equipment. Yeah. So there was there was like very little electricity and or electromagnetic radiation coming in from our surroundings, and I was able to feel it. Like yeah. I was able to yeah. feel it so dramatically that. That, that ever since then, because this was, uh, like I mentioned, maybe five, mm. six years ago, um, ever since then, I've become more and more and more increasingly sensitive to these technologies around yeah. me. We we lived in a, in a little house in the forest before we moved into this place that we're in right now. And... Um, that place had uh, no no real anything like at the entire there was no heating there was no gas uh, we I mean the heating we had to do with a central uh, wood burning oven yeah, which was really nice it was it was it was beautiful yeah. water uh, you know it, it got put into a hole which we had to then get pumped uh, you know to to remove the uh, the water uh, that we used um, it was it it was it was mm. a very down to earth and each room only had a couple light bulbs so a lot of what we did at nighttime was actually with candles um and uh, we had to you know take little bird baths because we didn't have a lot of water to spare all the time <laughs> and it was uh it was one of these things where coming back from that and moving into this place we didn't yeah. want to stay there because it was uh, the the place wasn't properly it was for sale but at a stupid price and it wasn't mm. worth it and the owner was an asshole um, and so we left that place, um, yeah. and we moved into this place and we have our own domain now, which we, we love, we, you know, yeah. we, we love the fact that when we look at that wall, we can look at that and say, it's a nice wall. 
<laughs> that's, that's our wall right there. You know, it's it, it's yeah. it's a different appreciation to uh, actually being a homeowner on that level. Absolutely. Um, and what I just wanted to kind of say is is emphasize that noticing when something is gone, mm. it's very difficult not to acknowledge its existence when it starts to come back into your life. Mm. And so this is why in our place um, we have very little electricity running. Yeah. And you know, we uh, we actually. Moving into the place, we ripped out all the cables because I plan on running new uh, new wires and all that stuff. But we've actually been living with a temporary system now for three years in this place plus. <laughs> and we're thinking more to, and more to ourselves, we don't need this shit. Yeah, you know? I don't. We no. don't need this stuff. So no. we have our little technology area where we, yeah. where we do our work and our computer stuff. Um, and then when we're done with it, we turn it off. We turn the lights off. We turn yeah. the Wi-Fi off off if it needs to be on right and now it's not on we don't need it on and the only time just outside right just see nature see trees and, yeah go and... hang out in the hammock yeah and look into the sky yeah and that's just been such a, a, a just just another example of, of this injury teaching me hmm. again every yeah. all of my injuries have taught me something if if, if if i'm willing to listen it'll touch it'll teach me something that's and, what i want actually to add to you know we're kind of uh we're also um I said that, uh, not bashing, but <laughs> saying that, you know, illnesses are bad. I think illnesses are um, big signs for you to change your life. And they they, they show you that something is not quite right. Mm -hmm. And it won't help you to go into the hospital and, you know, get a quick fix with pills or an operation. But I'm sure... Or is even it, more so, yeah. have somebody else do the thinking for you. Yeah. Learn about it. Learn and, about and if the it. doctor feels acts like he's being annoyed by you asking him yeah. questions, go to another doctor. Yeah. Or yeah. just just don't bother with him. Yeah. Right. Also, what always helped me, and I had a lot of problems with my my teeth, um, and also a couple of things where people told me you have to take, you know, pills and this and that. Even um when I had a um, three miscarriages, they wanted to, to put me into the hospital and wanted to kind of mechanically get that stuff out of you. And I said, no, yeah, I want to... Put wanna... you on cow hormones. Yeah, on oh, hormones, that, that all that. Oh, yeah, the, sorry, yeah. the... Um, yeah, the yeah. yeah, that um, I, I th said, no, I want to do it in a natural process because there is a very sacred thing for a woman to really you know, be part of such a such a process. And they told me, yeah, it's dangerous. You'll have an affection. None of this happened. <laughs> like, and the other thing too is like I mentioned yeah. before, um, if you don't have the fear of death yeah, in the decisions yeah. that you make, your body will heal. I, I, the body yeah, has, has a much greater chance of healing itself yeah. and, and doing its job. I think that that's, that's the one thing that my, my dad learned yeah. a little bit uh, while he was... Uh, undergoing the whole chemo and all that stuff is the will to live is what kept him alive. Yeah. And there's a hidden message in each uh, illness where you can really look at it. Why is your body reacting like that? What is there like old emotions that got stuck or old things that yeah. it's it's um, worth to look at. And once you really solve the main reason for that, you'll be, you know, that illness won't come back to you. No. But if you just keep taking in pills and all that um yeah take it as a as a as a good friend that says you know don't go this way anymore you got to change something you know i'll show you how and mm -hmm. so if you if you see it from that point of view i develop think, a relationship yeah and yeah 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 I've learned... think, you know really become like a like a see it as a game as well to figure out what is it mm -hmm. where does it come from our relationship to one another has become 
stronger and more powerful and immensely better because of our relationships to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the foundation yeah. right there is I don't think that a lot of people really cue into that. I think that it took me a long time in my life anyway um, to see that as well. So here we yeah. have a question came on screen. I think it's a comment. Ah, yeah. Only able to pop in for five minutes, but this sounds like a very touchy episode. I'm so yeah. proud of you both. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, before we go for today, because uh, it is approaching 10 p.m. for us, and uh, Madeline has to work in the morning, I get to lie in the hammock. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to try. Thank and, you for reminding me. <laughs> I know. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. This was definitely, yeah. um, of, an, it's a very unstructured episode. And uh, everything we do is really, we, we, we sat down for about a half an hour before doing this and we kind of went over what we can bring up and, and what we want to talk about, what kind of direction we want to go in. But really, this is a conversation that we're having in our living room. We're inviting you guys into yeah. our living room to have this conversation with us. And I hope you guys enjoyed it. If there are any questions, feel free yeah, to post them. Um, we are on, as I say... Oh, no, I'm going to put that thing away. There we go. <laughs> uh, we're on Rockfin, Rumble, Twitch, DLive, and Telegram. Oh. Yeah. And also in audio form right now, we are live on Podbean. For any of you people in Podbean who want to uh, ask any final questions, we will be uh, ending this, uh, this session, I think, in about 10 minutes. And before we do, I uh, wanted to also say that, uh, you know, we're in Germany. Um, we are about 45 kilometers southwest of Berlin. And uh, can I change the screen? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, and there's something like, obviously, for all of you North American people out there, it's very uh, difficult to talk about Germany without at least talking about Hitler once. So we are going to do that right now. And um, we're going to talk about something very interesting here. Nice transition. I know. Um, Bielitz Heilstätte. Heilstetten? Heilstetten. 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 Yeah. Exactly. This is a couple kilometers southwest from where we are right now. Yeah. Only and 15 this minutes. This is the hospital in which Hitler, um, after, during World War I, he was mustard gassed. This is the hospital that uh, cured him and mm -hmm. brought him back to life. Mm -hmm. And um, it's known to be one of the most haunted places on the planet. And uh, when I first came here, I, I was actually very excited uh, in, in, to go and see it because of the whole paranormal phenomena and all that surrounding it. And back then, um, 12 years ago, there were no guards posted protecting the place because it was since then purchased by private you know, people who wanted to refurbish it and all that. And back then, uh, there were block parties going on inside of it, and you can just go in there and and, yeah. and and do your thing. And eventually, a couple of kids fell through the floors because it's starting to break apart and... Uh, the city found it necessary to put up a fence around it. And um, yeah, we just got a comment here that says uh, it's Hitler's fault, this haunting. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah they, I'm sure people say it, it definitely attributes, uh, you know, to it. But uh, where we live right around us, you know, when I go for walks, I still see craters everywhere in the forest from all of the, the mm. bombs that had gone off. And what had happened was, is that the planes that were coming in from England and from France to bomb Berlin during the final, um, you know, war that had happened over here, um, the final part of the war anyway, um, a lot of the people, a lot of the pilots, they didn't want to kill people. They didn't want to be there. They were all conscripted, you know, they yeah. had to fight. Um, and so what they did was, is as they approached Berlin, 
they unloaded the bombs before hitting Berlin and they unloaded it in the countryside trying to not kill as many people. Mm. And so you go out in the forests here and you still see them all over the place. And it's still actually a big part of Berlin culture that every week uh, a part of the highway is kind of um, uh, the part in Grunewald, which is the largest stretch of, of green uh, land before you hit the city. It's littered with munition and and yep. uh, bombs that never went off because a lot of these bombs that landed they went in the ground but they never exploded um over here the land is very sandy and very marsh like you know so it's very boggy and watery and so the bombs they don't get enough impact and they don't go off right away and they just kind of land in the in the in the earth and the dirt and so with uh Bielitz Heilstätte, the amount of, uh, that's World War II, just to say, so that thrills, just gives you guys about a, a bit of a history in this area. In World War I, um, you had the trench warfare. So before all the bombs went off uh, in World War II, you had the trenches that were being dug all around where we are right now. Mm. And um, all the mustard gassing and a lot of the trench warfare death, the, the, the who knows how many hundreds of thousands of people dead. This hospital was specifically for lung, um, if I'm not mistaken. I actually, I don't really I'm know pretty positive. so much about this. Um, the, so Bielitz Heilstetten was, uh, it specialized in um, respiratory diseases. I'm, yeah, pretty, yeah. I'm pretty positive, actually. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And so all the, mu the people who were mustard gassed ended up there, which is why Hitler ended up there and was uh, his life was saved. But the amount of people who died there in agony. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the, 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 the music video one by Metallica is kind of about that too. It's about a guy in trench warfare who had lost his uh, eyes, um, his uh, um, arms and his legs and his hearing and like, and, and it has no ability to talk. So it's just kind of like in the shell. And uh, he was able to, I think, tap or something I, I, I don't know i can't remember the, the, but the but he was able to uh, to somehow transmit uh, kill me and sos in uh, morse code but um the the the, the we were there a couple of weeks ago and mm. Bailitz Heilstetten. I was uh, with a friend of mine and we thought, because I remember actually quite, you know, well, around Bailitz Heilstetten, there are these quite nice long pathways that uh, if you're into skateboarding or rollerblading, you can you can go down them pretty well. Break your arm. Break my arm if I want to. <laughs> and um, we figured, hey, let's, let's get some ice cream and just... And we got there and all of those have been closed down because they've been privatized. Yeah. And the only place that we can really go to was like in and around the immediate surrounding of Bielitz Heil. Right. The front, it's still yeah. fairly dilapidated. Yeah. Um, you have to but it. Yeah, I have to zoom in. Sorry, guys. Um, but it's, uh, it is definitely, as you guys can see by the picture here. It's a crazy building. It's like, spooky. Really. Here, I'll zoom in on it so you guys yeah. can see. Um, it's a very spooky place. Absolutely. And, and the energy that you got from there, that we got, it was just, it was, it was hard. It was heavy. And yeah. as I mentioned before, once you start, once you've experienced an absence yeah. of, of, of something, it's hard to ignore it when it comes back. Absolutely. Once you've yeah. acknowledged you know the, the difference, right? Yeah, How you know it feels like uh, when the, the, the air is clean. <laughs> yeah. And Even at, at home, you know, sometimes I can really feel when something is wrong here yeah. that uh, it doesn't feel right. That's right. And that the, the thing is with that building, they're around, they started building other things. And for example, like uh, barf, bare feet. So there's a barefoot, barefoot park. A barefoot park, yeah, that, for that children. Is, that's, a, that's essentially for children, yeah. And yeah. there were school bus after school bus after school bus 
of like kindergarten to age eight, maybe yeah. children just being let out there to play in the playgrounds behind Bielefeldstetten. And, I couldn't believe that. <laughs> and, and, exactly. And, and her and I were sitting there. And, and it's funny because, you know, uh, after having walked out of the hospital two days ago, the energy wasn't very different. Yeah, it's true. Now you're saying that, it's true. Like yeah. I can feel it now in the sense that my, yeah. my, my memory my memory is telling me yeah. it, it's a very brutal. I felt just older, right? But yeah, as yeah. You're right, it's a very brutal, heavy. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Clingy. And so I, I found it to be very brutal in the sense that we were looking at each other when we were there at uh, Bielefeldstedt and, and we were thinking, why are there children here? Yeah, all the parents like they, going they have with no the kids yeah. there and like and and no no concernment at all. Like as if they were not able to feel it. And I'm sure that uh, you know they the might children not have, might the, the children might have felt it, but you know it's like oh, okay, let's go there and um, play a little. Mm. But yeah, I I felt it, and also when we came home, I felt there was something <laughs> that that was not belonging there. That at, whenever you are at these places and you're not very conscious, you're not, you kind of, you know, are within your body and you're present, it's easy thing for these kind of um, energies to just jump onto you and, you know, take a ride. Yeah. And well, and this is now uh, the, the esoteric part of the yeah. show in the sense that um, how do we let these things in? Is it by yeah. invitation or is it by weakening ourselves? I think this is a, a question that, 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 cannot easily be answered. And it's something mm -hmm. that, uh, that obviously Madeline and I are not experts in that field to even speculate upon. I, I would suggest that it's a, uh, it's a bit of both. Yeah. You know? I would say the same, like how I also learned it from my shamanic um, education is that once you are you, in, in your lifetime, you kind of sometimes start um, losing parts of your soul because you experience a very traumatic, a traumatic situation. And so that part just separates from from you, but that is kind of like an, a lack in your energy system, and so other other energies come in and fill up for that. That's why you attract actually these uh, energies because it's the kind of the same, the same level, right? And um, that's why you also can work with these things if you experience these yeah. energies sticking to you. Then you can actually really work with them and and kind of let them go so that these parts that had had left you they can come back and they can make you full again and also what i learned the best um safety or like protection mm -hmm. <laughs> from these things is that you are present in your body that you are in the present moment and this is i guess a lot of what people um in the everyday, they just forget. They're busy with their thoughts, with their problems. Um, they're very much up, like in their in their mind, in mm -hmm. the in their heads, forgetting about the rest of their body, forgetting about their environment, and that's how these things uh, can come into your life. Yeah, yeah. There we go. So there was another thing uh, on on Podbean. I think there was another message from yeah. Chris. Yeah, I think you have to read it because I didn't really understand it. <laughs> yeah. If you want to read it, I don't know. But okay. uh, well, why don't you give us a nice little come up within yourself? What kind of thoughts do you have? Really try to connect with your environment, listen, smell, feel around yourself. Take, um, spend some time in nature, look at trees, hug them, whatever helps you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, so before we go, I'm going to read a comment here. And um, this is from Chris in um, from the Podbean live platform. And uh, I have to hold the microphone this way so I can actually can read. read it, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's really small on this screen right now, the way that it's set up. Um, and he was talking about his near-death experience and um, 
the way that he has now become aware that there are there is a a, a, a type of fourth dimension consciousness mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, as he wrote mm -hmm. down here that there is something outside of the um the the the, the, the typical senses that we experience yeah. within our daily Absolutely. earthly lives yeah. there's something else and uh, on top of that 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 kind of I, from what i'm interpreting here um has led him to believe obviously that there is a benevolent uh, which is positive and indifferent and malevolent so it means that even in the fourth dimension mm -hmm. as he's mentioning uh the the um fourth dimension consciousness so like uh, let's just call that the world outside of our regular mm -hmm. uh, um, earthly environment yeah um our life so to say we we call it the daily reality uh the no, what's it um alltägliche wirklichkeit the um everyday yeah. reality Every, everyday reality is yeah. what they call it in the shamanic uh, yeah, studies that's yeah that's how we um said and then you have the non-ordinary reality yeah, okay. ordinary reality and non-ordinary reality. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so what he's saying is that he he's he's convinced that that um, outside of our ordinary reality, you have um, positive, so good. You have yeah, benevolent, you know, evil. Yeah. And there's also neutral. So that's kind of what you were saying earlier too. Yeah. That the idea of we spelt demon with a D E. D-A-E, so daemon is often used in the church to describe mm. um, good deities, good spirits. Yeah. So you have the good demons and the bad demons. Yeah. So the good demons and the bad demons. and uh, they But they actually exist within the same plane. They exist within the same realm. And uh, they're a part of the same uh, fourth dimension consciousness yeah. is what I guess uh, yeah. I, I would uh, interpret what uh, Chris was saying. Yeah. And uh, it all depends on how they what you how did you say that earlier how they choose to f find um a fuel source for their own energy yeah uh, that's actually how also i learned it from from the shamanic education that i'm part of um we or that said that we have the upper world the lower world and the middle world and the middle world is actually where we live where we have our ordinary reality but then there's also the non-ordinary reality of that middle world which is exactly filled with other spirits that are not embodied, but they're just like energies around there and they have their own interests. That's all it is. They have their mm -hmm. own interests and these interests might not be <laughs> the same than yours. That's why these, you know, bad and not bad, like positive and negative uh, aspects come together. And it's, um, as as my, my teacher always says, there is no such thing as a good or evil mm -hmm. um, energy out there. Just have their own interests, right? And yeah. if you not have the same interests, then obvi obviously there's like um, friction or anything mm -hmm. like that. So, and But other than that, you know, I think it's important to be aware of that these things are there. But also, don't worry too much about yeah. it. Well, there know? are good and evil and neutral people that I run into every day. Yeah, and I'll I'll say that um, as I mentioned before, when you when you are open to looking at yourself objectively, and when um, like I, like I have tried to be mm -hmm. over the years, and you know, did I? I think this one's actually more like I mentioned before the personas that we carry throughout our daily lives. Yeah. Madeline, the, the biologist, and Eris Felmuth, the the, 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 yeah. This building automation, uh, you know, technician. This isn't this isn't something that has to define us, and it's not no, something that uh, we feel empty 
about when we don't have these titles yeah. or when we don't have these things. Uh, it's just you something know. that we do, but not um, It's a way that we, are. we yeah. choose to experience this wonderful reality. And I think that all of you guys out there, um, if there's one thing that I can say that has really changed my life, as I mentioned, it's the objective acknowledgement of myself. Mm-hmm. And uh, that, 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 that really looking at everything and, and, and wanting to learn about it, not mm-hmm. necessarily questioning it because you're skeptic, skeptical of mm-hmm. it, but wanting to be interested in the connection that you're making to it, yep. knowing that everything that you are connecting to, you are potentially also letting in, you know, understanding yep. when is it malevolent, neutral or yeah, benevolent. Yeah, trusting just your own feelings, your own intuition. That's right. Yeah. So everybody Good. out there, have a wonderful night. Night. Yes, have a good evening or yeah, day. <laughs> yeah, for <laughs> you guys, it's day. It. It's uh, past uh, 10 p.m. for True. us over here. Yeah. And we will see you Sunday with another great episode, hopefully. Yeah. And uh, Sunday will be at 6 p.m. Central European time, which is for you guys out there in uh, North America. Eastern Standard Time, approximately, uh, oh, I'm tired now, noon. And uh, for <laughs> any of you guys out there, Madeline's going to be on Freeman. Oh, yeah, true, true. Just Actually, a little plug. I have to put it in there. <laughs> just said, I'll have the recording Friday, so I don't know when the show will be out there. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that, yes. um, talking to him and also sharing many of these things that we just heard today. Yeah, so for all of you guys out there on Rockman, go to Freeman Fly and check him out. If not, freemantv.com. Mm-hmm. Go and see uh, his podcast. I've been listening to him for quite some time. He's one of my favorite people to listen to. Yeah. And uh, Madeline's going to be one of uh, yeah. his guests upcoming. So there we go. Would have thought of this. <laughs> exactly. Would have thunk it. All right, everybody. Have yourselves a wonderful evening. Yeah. See you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>